Welcome to Our Wives Hate, this NFL podcast with David and Daniel. We're back with another episode of Our Wives Hate, this NFL podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm joined by my co-host, David. What's up, David? Nothing much, man. Just uh, getting to the dog days of the offseason, trying to figure out things to talk about. Uh, you know, Lauren, my wife, was asking me, like, you know, football season's over. I know you guys had some post-Super Bowl things, and you want to talk about some quarterbacks, but do you really have to do the podcast, like, every Tuesday? And after, never mind, I'm not going to make it. I keep wanting to make jokes that are bad. <laughs> I have to stop myself from making them. After I told her to get back in the kitchen, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm joking. I'm jo- it's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, I told her, yes, honey, we have to talk about the coaching hires and all that stuff. She's like, well, you don't even know what's going to happen. I'm like, I know that, but we're still going to talk about it. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's pretty ironic for David to make that joke when he's usually the one in the kitchen. I am. I am. <laughs> See, I, that's why I can make that joke. I'm the one that actually cooks. I make the food. My wife hates cooking. She hates the podcast more than cooking. Though, so I'll, I'll say that. Well, at least she has her priorities straight. So. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we have several things to talk about today. We're going to get into a draft I did over the weekend later. We're going to get into mm. maybe a little bit of a combine preview. Yeah. But our main topic today is the coaching hires, and we're really going to roast some of these hires. We're going to love some of these hires. But oh my six gosh. teams made head coaching hires. Six. Or was it five? I think it's five. Okay. I was like, who's the sixth team? I'm, in, I'm including Eric Vienna. <laughs> I know. I was, I was, okay, I was going to say that. This man, he we come up with the idea. He texts me like, we're going to do coaching hires and rank them. And I'm like, all good. And he throws an Eric Bien-Aimé, uh because he's going to be a coach one day, which I don't I don't know if that's going to Well, he'll happen. be a coach by the end of the season because yeah, Rivera's yeah. getting fired. <laughs> well, he, sh- he should already have been fired. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Eric Bien-Aimé, the he just can't get a head coaching job no matter how hard he tries. Yeah, but anyway, so five head coaches were hired – over just the last few months, and so we're going to dive into what we think about that. We're actually going to we have our rankings, so we have ranked yep. these hires from best to worst. Yep. And so we each have our list. So I think what we should do, David, is start maybe at like five, and then go down, so we can each reveal who we have last, and then just go higher from there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I you can start because I I think you're going to hate how I decided to do my rankings. Okay. Well, I hope you have. My The person I have last... Now, I will say, I just want to give a disclaimer before I reveal who I have last. This coach may be a much better head coach than he is a coordinator. That said, he's a horrible coordinator. He was a horrible defensive coordinator this year. I don't care that he had good numbers sometimes because against good quarterbacks, Jonathan Gannon, who is now going to the Cardinals, is not a good coach. His system basically has no flexibility. So anytime he does this bend but don't break philosophy, which works against any quarterback who's mediocre or just barely below or above average. But anytime he plays an above average quarterback, his numbers, his defense can do nothing. We saw that in the Super Bowl. We saw that against every quarterback he played this season. Even Dak Prescott shred his defense apart. But other quarterbacks he did well against because he had such an easy schedule. I don't think he's a good defensive coordinator, but that said, if he can be more of a game, a good, you know, team manager, bring in a good staff, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with his whole staff and everything, but I still think he could be a good coach if he can kind of stop meddling with like his defensive stuff and allow a defensive coordinator who has 
good schemes to actually make adjustments during the game. But the reason I'm low on this hire is just because I mean Eagles fans are happy that he got hired <laughs> away because he was not he was not a good coordinator. Maybe he'll be a good head coach, but I'm very pessimistic about his chances as a coordinator, as a defensive play caller. I mean, every top ten quarterback shreds his defense. It's it's just night and day. Yeah. <laughs> look, if you look at Philadelphia the last two seasons, so they make the playoffs both years, you look at their wins. The, the teams they beat, not an impressive list. And you look at the teams they lost to, it's like, oh, you lost to all the, the good teams you played or the good healthy teams that you played. Um, yeah, I, I understand the the pessimism with Jonathan Gannon. One thing I want to say before I, I get to I, at number five, this ranking is very hard to do because of something you mentioned where Gannon could be a better head coach than a coordinator because those are two different things. So a head coach uh, ideally is not calling plays. They're managing the team. They're like the CEO, right? That's like the cliche of what people say. And, yeah, a a guy might be a good coordinator, but he might not be a good head coach. And so we we don't know, like, what these franchises are looking for in a coach. We don't know the vision that Jonathan Gannon casted to Arizona because they're not – Arizona's not like, well, why did you do this play call in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl? They're asking about, like, what kind of people are you going to hire? What's your vision for the team? Like, they probably ask him, like, analytics questions. And maybe they ask him some weird combine questions to ask players. Like, um, do you find your mom attractive? That's an actual question <laughs> that's been asked before. Maybe they ask that, too. I know the Colts, what they did, they actually – we'll talk about Steichen later. But, like, the Colts, for example, they had a very unique interviewing process where they – showed random plays and they paused it before the play happened or whatever they said what would you do in this situation like they they did that for for i'm pretty sure all their candidates and that process helped them determine like okay this guy's a good decision maker that's what we want as our head coach so interesting i say all that to say it's borderline impossible to predict these things and we also know that most of these guys excuse me are not going to be great head coaches like yeah, the hit rate is low. The hit rate is low. Every head, every cycle, everyone gets excited about certain guys, and they get excited about like, oh, you're on this team that doesn't have a lot, but you can build it. But you know, it's it's a hard thing to do. And that also, we also have to talk about their environment. Like these guys are not taking over great teams necessarily. Um, these are all teams that like got rid of their coaches for a reason. Um, they're not not all these rosters are great. Some of these rosters are actually solid. They just need a better coach. Uh, but if you look at the Cardinals roster, it's it's not it's not terrible per se. They had a bad season last year, but that was remo- one year removed from a playoff appearance. They have a huge quarterback question mark, uh, Kyler. Obviously, he's not going to be playing the beginning of the year, and who knows what his future is. But I say all that to say that um, at number five, uh, I actually have the three first year head coaches all tied for last because we just don't know. So I I, I uh, chickened out. So I have Gannon, Steichen, and Demi Ryan's like all tied as like bottom. I couldn't differentiate the three be- between each other. If you forced me, now if you forced me, just for the sake of the content, if you forced me to go dead last, I would uh, definitely pick Jonathan Gannon as well okay, as, yeah, as dead yeah. last. Partly because okay, yeah, coordinator experience is not great, but his staff is young. He's pr- pretty risky. Uh, young, inexperienced staff. Some veterans mixed in there. So it's, it, it is a risk, um, what he's doing with his staff. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know what makes him better or worse than D'Amico Ryans or Shane Steichen, honestly. Yeah, and we're doing a lot of projecting here because, like you said, we <laughs> yeah. don't know. Yeah. But I'll get – so you had, like you said, you had all the three first-time ever head coaches yeah. to all tied for last. 
So I had at number five, I had D'Amico Ryan's. Four, at four, you mean? I'm sorry. Yes, at number four for me, simply because he's, <laughs> he's a, a defensive coordinator. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> you're gonna laugh. I knew you're you were gonna, gonna say it. The modern NFL has changed. We are no longer <laughs> looking at an NFL that's dominated by defense. The new NFL is actually dominated by offense. And if you look at the teams that have recently been in like the AFC and the NFC championship games, most of them had offensive coaches, not defensive coaches. But isn't that is that necessarily a correlation and causation? I I, I think like I, I don't know what's the level of impact that that has on a team's success because you know yeah it seems that more coaches with an offensive background are thriving but are they thriving because they have an offensive background or are they thriving because they have a great quarterback or they have a good coaching staff i mean obviously these you know hiring a good coach staff is a skill for a head coach i guess just what's the correlation between like oh you were an offensive guy therefore like now you're good yeah and it might it might just be there's more offensive coaches mm-hmm. that could also be a big part of it but when we see and I will I will also say there are some offensive coaches who had a lot of problems who were just horrible for yeah. example Arthur Smith please leave the Falcons <laughs> immediately for your fantasy team for the sake of your yes. fantasy team hits in London need to be unleashed next season but <laughs> but like we see new hires from last season for example Mike McDaniels on the Dolphins or Brian Dable on the Giants two yeah. first year coaches who were really good coordinators and so they're able to go in, and even no. without top-of-the-line quarterbacks, they quickly had extremely good schemes, and they were able to use their playmakers well. In today's NFL, you can, here's, here's the problem with getting a defensive coordinator. To be great with a defensive coordinator as your head coach, you're going to have to have a good offensive coordinator, and if you end up getting a good offensive coordinator, they're going to go somewhere and become a head coach. That's the problem. I would rather be set on terms of my offense – in the modern NFL than be set in terms of my defense. That's why I have the defensive guys lower simply because I think you have to go for high ceiling and the highest ceiling is a creative offensive scheme. Yeah. I, I, this is a rough count. I could be wrong maybe by one or two. So the 14 playoff teams last year, nine of the 14 head coaches had an offensive background. Um, I think the, like, I might maybe I'm wrong on one of these, but Buffalo McDermott is a defensive guy, <clears throat> and then um, for Baltimore Harbaugh, I think he's a special teams has a special teams background actually. Um, yeah, but I think he's then, more of an offensive. Well, but of. his yeah, I, I'd have to look into his coaching career. Uh, Chargers obviously Staley's a defensive guy. Um, then you look at the NFC. Uh, I don't count Todd Bowles in this because the Buccaneers were terrible last year and they just had, they played in a bad division. Um, and then you look at Pete Carroll, and I think he has a defensive background, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I, I could be wrong on one or two of those. So it is, yeah, offensive heavy. Um, so, so maybe there's a correlation there. Um, I I had Steichen at four. I had Ryan's at three. Um, I, I actually like D'Amico Ryan's... Um, and yeah, I like D'Amico Ryan yeah, as well. Yeah, I should I, say that he I, did an incredible job I, on the 49ers. I do think, yeah, I, I think like the, there's something to be said about he. Um, I so over over text you're talking about the enemy and like being like an Andy Reid disciple and all those things. And you know, after I thought about it a little bit more, it's like yeah, there there is value in being around guys like that. So like you know, the enemy learning from Andy Reid and 
learn, like just w- watching him as a head coach, not necessarily like his offense, but more like this is how Andy Reid runs a team. And so D'Amico observing Kyle Shanahan, who is brilliant at hiring coordinators. Like he's one of the best in the NFL, probably the best. Um, I like uh, that level of experience um, that Ryan's bringing out. Obviously, Steichen comes from Philly, and then Philly's done a good job of like turning coordinators into head coaches um, these last few years. So I don't think there's much of a differentiation there between Steichen and D'Amico Ryan's at all. Like we're really splitting hairs here on who we think is going to be better. I mean, and I'm I'm a Colts fan, so I do like the Steichen hire. Um, I think that Jim Bob Cooter, I think, is going to be the offensive coordinator, and I'm really not excited about that at all. Uh, I saw that. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> what are you doing? But, uh, yeah, did you have Steichen at three? So, originally, I actually had Frank Wright at three and Steichen Just blasphemous. at two. Blasphemous. However, as soon as I saw that Frank Reich was hiring Ijiro for his defensive coordinator, yeah. and then that Steve Steichen is hiring Jim Bob Cooter, who, I mean, yeah. I thought he was still in the Knoxville Hotels, but, uh, <laughs> but, but as soon as I saw that, I moved Frank Reich ahead. So I now have Steichen at three. And, and another thing about Ryan's, like, he's also going to more than likely, well, there's, it's not a guarantee he gets Bryce Young uh, as quarterback. I don't know if so the report the Bears are going to move off, more likely move off the number one pick. They're going to trade. So, I don't know if Houston's going to trade with them. I don't know if a team is going to come from like the Colts could trade. Um, I like D'Amico Ryan's prospects as a coach a lot more if he has a guy like Bryce Young starting out with him, as opposed to like C.J. Stroud or Anthony okay. Richardson or whatever. So yeah, so you have C- just some draft uh, preview there. <laughs> David is very high on Bryce Young compared to the other quarterbacks in the class. Yeah, yeah, I love uh, I love Bryce Young, but um. So we look at the, I mean, the teams like you know the Colts going to probably draft a quarterback. Texans going to draft a quarterback. Cardinals have Kyler Murray. The the quarterback and coach is also very connected, right? Like if a, if you can't figure out the quarterback as a coach, you're probably not lasting uh, long at all. And so we're going to see pretty quickly. Like I think probably Gannon has the most like rope because he's inheriting Kyler Murray, and if he doesn't like Kyler Murray, then he's like, well, I want to move on to a different QB. He'll get kind of like a new opportunity. But with Steichen and D'Amico Ryans, it's like they're going to draft a quarterback. It's boom or bust. If the quarterback's not good, they're likely gone after three three seasons, right? Three or four seasons. So that's another risky thing. They're going to be inheriting rookie quarterbacks that you know, obviously are unproven. Yeah. I mean, we've seen time and time again, you go all in on, a, on someone like a Mitch Trubisky, that can end your coaching career right there. So. Mm-hmm. And, and and to also talk about Steichen a little bit more, I, I will say he took over play calling from Sirianni, I believe, and that I I believe that transformed the Eagles in a, in a way because again, head coaches need to manage so much. So getting that play calling responsibility off of them is important. And <clears throat> I know the Eagles had a lot of talent, but you can't deny that they were a well-run offense. They did. The right things they threw to take the lead and they ran to win the game. That's kind of like their philosophy. And they did common that, sense, yeah, decision making, which is exactly. rare in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. So that's the I guess that's the argument you could have for Steichen over D'Amico Ryan's is that you've, we've seen Steichen take an offense, uh, but of course, like his offense is you know that offense is very dependent on a quarterback like Jalen Hurts who can run, who's very mobile. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to get someone like that in the draft. So then his offense would have to cater to whoever he 
whoever he gets. Um, but I think D'Amico, again, being in that San Francisco environment will, and I, I don't, uh, Bobby Slowick, his uh, coordinator, I don't know where he's from. I'd have to look it up. Um, I think he's, someone said he worked with D'Amico and Ryan's in, in San Francisco. I think if you take as many San Francisco people as possible and plug them in, like that's a positive thing because you want to emulate what they do. Uh, culture wise, roster building wise, scheme wise, both on offense and defense is if D'Amico can just copy as much of that as possible, then I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And I, I also think he's just a bright head coach and, um, yeah. So. And the Texans are probably looking at what the Jets did. Same thing. Yeah. Hire the defensive coordinator from the 49ers, take as many guys as they can with them, and mm-hmm. try to build that same culture of success that we've seen in San Francisco. So I, you can't, you can't uh, be upset about that hire, I don't think. I think it has a lot of potential. Now, one thing I want to mention as we're talking about these head coaches is that there is a temptation as a coach to be – to not adapt to your team. Yeah. So we see this. I want to just contrast a great coach with a horrible coach. <laughs> Mike McDaniel co- going to the Dolphins with Arthur Smith going to the Falcons. <laughs> when Mike McDaniel went to the Dolphins, he did something different. Instead of doing this like run first game that he had been trained under in San Francisco, yeah. he still used the zone runs. But he transformed the offense into a pass first yeah. you, because he realized how valuable Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle were. And also how good they are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, how, and he, he, he basically made a, basically like a Madden-type schematic structure where you just take the two fastest guys in the game, have them run routes, yeah. and then throw to them. So, yeah, that's right. And it worked great. Huh. And that's what – it sounds so simple, but it's actually so hard. Arthur Smith, on the other hand – had two of the best weapons in football, I'm serious, in Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And instead of using them, they threw at the lowest rate in football, despite how bad their quarterback play was. Mm-hmm. Or, well, okay, that kind of counter- <laughs> <laughs> I don't give it actually. But despite how bad their running attack was and how their offensive line couldn't block, instead of making short throws to London and Pitts and letting them get insane yards after catch, they instead tried to stick with exactly what Smith had done on the Titans, which it simply doesn't work. You don't have Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill on every single team. So that's an example where one coach adapted and one coach didn't. So it'll be very neat to see how these coaches that have been hired are going to make changes in the coming season. And look, defensive background, offensive background, whatever, the most important thing is, yeah, how do you run your offense? This is an offense-driven league. Do you run a smart offense? Do you run an offense that's – you know, you're, you're, <clears throat> you're aggressive on first down. You treat second down like third down. You go for it on fourth and short more often than you don't. Uh, you run common sense plays. You adapt to the, the, the skill that you have, the players that you have. Um, yeah, if, if these coach, like if the defensive coaches really are like, we just want to be a tough, physical, grinded out team, then that's obviously very stupid. Not to say you can't be tough or physical, but you need to be a team that is throwing the ball, trying to obviously score a lot of points. Um, I don't. I don't have any doubt. Steichen will implement that. Now, the question for Gannon and Demeco Ryan's: Are they going to let their offenses cook? That's right. That's <laughs> right. And that'll also be a question for potentially our number one hire. But we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming um, your number two is Frank Reich. I think you said that Frank Reich's your number two. I, That's right. I, I did have that. a number three. I mm-hmm. I really like Steichen so much that I. For a while, had him ahead of Frank Reich, but I, I love what yeah. Frank Reich is doing. And honestly, with his I think staff. I'm just gonna probably match. I'm gonna switch D'Amico and Steichen. I think 
after just thinking about it more, I think it makes sense to have Steichen at three. I think we're going to have the same exact list, which is very <laughs> right. very depressing. Sorry, listeners. Wait, <laughs> yeah, I know. Another boring episode. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Yeah, Frank Reich at two. I'm, again, I'm a Colts fan, so my, my take on Reich is that he was the scapegoat for um, bad ownership and bad general managing. So his, his history in Indy is actually underrated, in my opinion. So he starts with Andrew Luck, who's was coming off of missing an entire season, had shoulder injury. They make the playoffs his first year, win a playoff game. Then Luck reti- uh, retires out of nowhere. They start Jacoby Brissett for a year. He gets hurt. Then in 2020, they start fil- washed Phillip Rivers. They make the playoffs, and they almost beat the Bills in a very infuriating playoff game that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> uh, and then Philip Rivers retires, and then 2021, they bring on Carson Wentz, which, my goodness, like if I have to talk about the 21, 2021 Colts, I, I'll lose my mind. Uh, we <laughs> all know how that went. And then 2022, they entered into the season with Matt Ryan, who might have been the worst quarterback I've ever seen like last year. I mean, he was washed beyond measure. I remember like the articles last year about Matt Ryan uh, in practice – the Colts players like, yeah, he's yelling at us and stuff. And people were like, see, Matt Ryan, he's going to change the Colts. And they were an abomination. Frank Reich was a scapegoat in in, Indi- uh, in Indianapolis. I think he's a brilliant offensive mind. He's a great uh, culture builder. He's a great man. Um, ag- aggressive. They went for it fourth down in situations where I thought they should have. You know how media works. If you're not successful in fourth down, they're like, oh, why would you go for it? But... I like his decision making on fourth down. Um, he's in a very winnable division. Like this division is an, an atrocity. We know that. Um, I and then the coordinator hires are excellent. So this is a slam dunk for the Carolina Panthers. This is almost best case scenario if you're thinking about like where they've been with their coaches to now. Yeah, when I think about this hire, I really think about Doug Peterson and how. It might have been the right move for the Eagles. We see it probably was the yeah. right move for the Eagles to move on from Doug Peterson. At the same time, the Jaguars made a great hire in hiring him. Yep. And maybe that could be the same thing we see here. Yep. The Colts probably did might have made a good move by moving on from yeah, him. Potentially, and yet, yeah. the Panthers are getting a great hire, yep. who, who we know is a very well-respected mm. offensive mind in the league, yep. just like Doug Peterson. And he's going to bring – it's a franchise that's been – just underwater for a very long time besides that Cam Newton run. Yeah. So to get someone who's established, who is respected around yeah. the league in the building is going to be huge for them. And I, I think that you have to be excited, especially with how bad that division is, yeah. by having a chance now to go take it over. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And uh, I think that leads to the obvious number one pick. I mean, has to be Sean Payton. Yeah, right? I don't think you can. I don't think you can deny it. Even when you take into account the high eighteen to twenty-one million dollar salary. Yeah, the, that like first of all, the Broncos they can afford that. Exactly, um, they could definitely afford it, and it doesn't matter how much you pay your coach if your coach is going to help you win football games. You're going to get the return on investment. Um, do Do you have any concerns about Payton though? Because you know, he's. It's not like he's far removed from coaching. He's only been gone for a year, um, and recently he's had a lot of success. Like he had that four-year run the Saints had uh, in the late 2010s. Like very good run. Won a lot of games. Choked a lot of games too um, in the playoffs. You know, you want to go through all those. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's not <laughs> okay. Um, you're more of a Bengals fan now, anyway. You've kind of moved on from the Saints. It seems like. Um, go Washington. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're a Commanders fan. <laughs> 
By the way, Eric Bieniemy is actually the real number one choice. <laughs> no, Amen. Um, yeah. Do you do you have any worries though that Peyton, like, uh, this could actually be like a disaster? Is there any? Does that creep into your mind at all about this hire? I know a lot of people are going to point out that we haven't really seen m- many coaches, if any coaches, I can't even think of one who have like done what Peyton did, where they at where they were still somewhat in their prime leaving their team for like a season not coaching and then coming back we don't really see that happen much I think in this case it's different because Peyton was such a he had done he had put them in such a good position to win the Super Bowl they hadn't won and so he kind of realized we are screwed for the next five years we've sacrificed the future for the present and so that's why he left so I don't think it's like he left because he was past his prime I think it's more about he wanted to be on a team that was in a better position now that said I'm a little bit confused on why I went to the Broncos <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I don't know if we can say their position is much better than the Saints it it is better but it's I don't know how much better it is that said Sean Payton must see something in Russ Wilson that he thinks he can turn around because yeah if you can have Drew Brees putting up those numbers, Historic numbers, all the dump-offs to Alvin Kamara that went for 30, 20 yards, I mean, if he can do that here with Russell Wilson, they're going to be a great offense. So yeah. it'll be – I do think it could backfire, though, if Russell Wilson is just so bad because he's going to be the team. They can't move on from him unless they yeah. move on at the – right after June in the – twenty or right before June in the 2024 season. Well, yeah, the the Broncos don't have the flexibility that you know Peyton would probably like, but um, he's getting paid. And look, he, he has a proven model of success. Like the Saints, before he showed up, were you can make a case the worst franchise in the NFL. And he had a great run, fifteen year run, lots of you know they won a Super Bowl, lots of playoff appearances, historic offensive numbers from Breeze. Um, <clears throat> and what's tough is that it's hard not to think about the Broncos. And think about just what a disaster last year was. Because if you think about them, if you just look at their roster and ignore context, which is obviously not smart to do. <laughs> but uh, if you look at their roster, you would think Sean Payton plus this roster, excellent pairing. Like, should be successful. But last year was so bad in so many ways. Not just on the field, but off the field. Like, the Broncos were a laughingstock. Specifically, Russell Wilson was a laughingstock. Uh, he took so many L's last year. It was actually historic. Um, from from former teammates to current players to to I mean everyone was just ripping I mean, him. Even Justin Tucker was roasting us. <laughs> yeah, when kickers are roasting you, <laughs> roasting you, you know you're at the bottom. You're like, um, it's like an all time low. But um, I I I I really believe that this hire is great. I think this roster is ready to win now. Um, I don't think Russell Wilson is done. I don't think. I, I obviously he's he's never been like the best quarterback in the league, but he's been like borderline elite most of his career, and maybe he's not going to get to that exact level like 2018 level Russell Wilson, but what we saw last year just has to be an anomaly, right? Like that's just not who he is the rest of his career. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, he was hurt as well last year. He also had he was playing through injuries, um, and he also. You know, I guess this is not an injury technically, but you could say that playing under Nathaniel Hackett is an injury um, <laughs> that you should probably like be able to list and go injured reserve for. But don't worry, Hackett will get Rodgers to the Jets, right? Because <laughs> Aaron Rodgers just loves Nathaniel Hackett that much, clearly. <laughs> um, 
I, I mean, I see this as a playoff team with Peyton like right away. I, I think that he can turn a a great a, a great quarterback mostly and get into the playoffs. Even though the AFC is tough, that's the thing. It, the division is, is tough. The division is well. I said that last year. That's really, true. Didn't really but, pan out. I mean, but the Chargers should be Mahomes, good. You could have, you know, Aaron Rodgers in in Oakland, or I guess now it's L.A. So Las Vegas, yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, Las Vegas. Man, I I'm, <laughs> you're over to LA. <laughs> LA, no. But if you go back and listen to our Sean Payton reaction, I was actually really upset that he was taking over a team that had Russ because I'm completely out of Russ for the future. Well, you, it's because you're it's because of your uh, stacking uh, fail. I drafted him season. the last fantasy season. I drafted Russ in the seventh round in many drafts. I drafted him in the first round of a super flex draft. I was all in. And that was actually the biggest super flex draft in the world, the Scott Fishbowl. I was riding Russell Wilson, Sutton, and Judy, and it was a disaster of epic proportions. But that said, I do somewhat agree with David that I think Russ, I don't think his career is ever going to get back to where he was. I think they no. gave out way too much for him. No. They regret it big time. However, I think he can be better than Drew Brees was late in his career, slightly yeah. better for a few seasons. Yeah. And I think Payton can make the most out of that. I I agree. I agree. And I, I don't think he'll win a Super Bowl in Denver. Um, I'm not sure any of these guys will win a Super Bowl. Who knows, though, with those first-time guys. But it, I, I think if you look at this coaching cycle, I would say it's, it's relatively solid. Um, I think outside of Gannon, which I'm not – I'm not as anti-Gannon as you are. I mean, I see the hate in your eyes when I even bring up his name. Um, I think these teams make made hires that made sense uh, for the most part. So um, no egregious disasters, you know. Like last year, like when we think about Hackett, I didn't think he'd be that bad. Like I mean, he was so bad last year. But when we talk, when we, when we talked about like who's going to make the playoffs, blah blah blah. Like I wanted to pick Denver, but didn't know about Hackett, and then after that first game, we saw that he was the worst coach that's ever coached any sport ever. Not just professional football, but I'm talking like table tennis. I'm talking about <laughs> esports. E- like he's the worst coach that's ever existed. He's never played Madden before because even my eight year old cousin can be, yeah. can play Madden and know some basic clock management that clearly he yeah. lacks. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think what I, what I like about. Um, like like Steichen for example, like compared to Hackett, Hack again was Aaron Rodgers' quote unquote offensive coordinator, which is just baloney. That doesn't exist. By the <laughs> way, there's no offensive coordinator that can outdo Aaron Rodgers. Well, Adam Gase was Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. <laughs> clearly, Josh McDaniels is Tom Brady's <laughs> offensive coordinator. Clearly, um, Steichen actually helped elevate a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who's you know still young and obviously not a good quarterback at all, and shouldn't be paid anything more than ten million dollars a year. Um, turned him into a fake MVP candidate. I mean, the media, which is largely wrong, um, sports media doesn't know what they're talking about most of the time. Um, and then Daniel obviously rode the bandwagon of Jalen Hurts because uh, I don't know what drugs he was taking. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was amazing in the Super Bowl. This man yeah. must have been blind for the entire Super Bowl. No, I, I didn't say. They, I didn't say the Super saw Bowl. What I saw, I said in the in the podcast, he played better than Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I said that. I'm talking about the regular season <laughs> and the playoffs as well. He wasn't that good outside the Super Bowl. So, uh, but uh, yeah, you re- you ready to talk about your your draft? I am. So over the weekend, I drafted a draft in the Rotoviz Listener League against Sean Siegel and Colm Kelly of Rotoviz. So I was 
it's a super flex early best ball draft, so we're drafting for next season. Since the season's over, I just had to get in one of these drafts for next season because I just can't help myself. I need more football. <laughs> so it was a great opportunity, and I actually drafted it with my friend Ryan from Canada. So he helped me make he helped us make our picks, and I think we turned out to have a pretty good team. But David's going to roast us, our team right now. Yeah, um, I'm actually not because I'm you know I I do. I do actually like that. Now, you showed me a team before this one, your three tight end team or whatever. That was from uh, last season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, an, it was so bad. I wish you'd have consulted with me before because I'm not a fantasy expert, but I, even I know that was an awful idea what you guys did. It was, a, and it backfired majorly. Um, <laughs> hey, I mean, taking Kyle Pitts in the first round felt like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, so. Uh, no, you're not. You're gonna be graduated. I wish you could write another Daily Beacon article about who's the Cooper Cup of you know this upcoming season. So. Yeah, so you can avoid him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, all right, not drafting him. All right, so I'm gonna not go through every pick that you made, um, obviously, because you know the listeners. Um, I, I don't want them to. I don't want to expose you to them. I, I want them <laughs> to have some level of respect for you. Um, <laughs> So you guys had the last pick in a twelve-team draft. It's yep. obviously a snake draft, and in these super flex, this is a super flex league, right? That's right. Super so, flex and tight end premium, which means the tight end gets one and a half points per reception. So whereas typi- all the yeah, wide receivers yeah, get one point. Yeah. So typically in a league like this, it seems like the first round you're going for a quarterback, as opposed to traditionally a running back or wide receiver if you're doing zero RB. So uh, you see a lot of quarterbacks drafted in the first eleven picks. There are seven quarterbacks that are taken. Josh Allen goes first, which I think is kind of ridiculous, but um, I mean, he runs. I guess it makes sense. It's fantasy. It's not actual yeah. rankings. I think you have to take him and Hurts probably ahead of Mahomes just because of the rushing upside. That that is that is factual. Um, so you guys had the twelfth pick. So seven quarterbacks taken, uh, one running back taken, uh, two receivers, Je- Jefferson and Chase. I'm assuming you would have taken Chase if he had not been picked before. So you. we were we were going to take. We were really hoping Burrow and Chase would both fall. That would have been a great oh, start. My. That, that, see, that's a good stack. <laughs> that's a stack that you want. But uh, right. no, as soon as Chase went off the board, the only quarterback that was left that was that we would have taken at ADP or slightly below ADP was Trevor Lawrence. But we didn't want to take him that high, so right, right. we took Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, so those are great picks because remember, Cup is just you know a year removed from having arguably the greatest wide receiver season of all time. If you also include playoffs, so that's a great pick. Tyreek Hill is also a great pick. Um, he was the I like I I don't think statistically he was the best receiver last year, but I think he was the best receiver last year on impact. But the Dolphins had so many quarterbacks. I think he had yeah. seventeen hundred. I know he had seventeen hundred yards, yeah. but statistically, I think Jefferson and Devonta Adams yeah. had better seasons, but. Hill, if like Tua doesn't get hurt every other game, uh, his season's even more dominant, and, and obviously has Waddle playing with him. So Hill is not going to demand the same level of attention when you have a guy like Waddle uh, on the other side. So I thought those were like two really great picks. Th- that's the thing about receivers though; it's so deep. You could have gone with C.D. Lamb, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, yeah, um, and those players all went J- in the Jaylen second Waddle. round. Waddle uh, went at the third, first yeah, pick of the third round, which is a a great pick. Yeah, uh, by that by that guy. But um, I, I mean, your first two picks to me are pretty excellent. You can't really go wrong with that. I think you made the right right choice. Um, and then when I look at your third pick, um, it, it, it's just it's sad because <laughs> you know I, you're doing it again. You're, it, it, you have Stockholm syndrome. You're you're the thing that brought you pain. You're re, you're just going back at it. So Kyle Pitts. Okay, your third pick. Look, we. 
I love Kyle Pitts. If Kyle Pitts played for an average quarterback, he would be an all-pro level tight end. Um, Kyle Pitts, though, he, he's going to break your heart again, man. I'm very sorry. I mean, he may because of Arthur Smith, but Kyle Pitts will not break my heart. Only Arthur Smith can ruin this man. If anything <laughs> positive happens, I don't think Kyle Pitts and Drake London can both, can both bust. Like, even if the offense is bad again, they have to concentrate the receiving in those two guys. So yeah. I'm real. I'm high on Pitts once again. I'm back on the train. Okay, so you, you take Pitts, and then your next pick is Russell Wilson. So you're you're. It, it's like maybe you didn't learn anything from last year, but <laughs> <laughs> but I actually the Russell Wilson pick is not bad. But so looking at some players who picked after Russell Wilson, did you ever seriously consider Debo Samuel or Metcalf or Kyler Murray or? Olave or any yeah. of those running backs. So who else did you consider for those two spots? So I was interested maybe in Debo, mm-hmm. but we had already taken. We were fine taking a third wide receiver that high, but we really wanted we really wanted Russ because we wanted to stack him later with Judy and Sutton. So I think we were going to take Russ, even though Kirk Cousins had fallen a whole round. We still weren't going to take him. We hate uh, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, exactly. And then the only other person there you mentioned, Kyler Murray. We were not taking him. I said I don't want to take Kyler unless he's in like round eight. Simply, even though the he injury. has upside, I don't want to take someone who's probably not going to play until like week ten at best. I mean, yeah. I'm just being honest. So yeah, so yeah, I took because last year I took Deshaun Watson in this same range in a superflex draft, and suspended. that was a big mistake. Yeah. So yeah, so anyway, I was happy with who we took there. But yes, I I would have loved Debo too. I think that'd be a like Debo instead of Pitts. I could get behind that if we can get a tight end later. Okay, these next two picks, the one of them is really the question. You can kind of explain what happened. You told me before the podcast what happened, and uh, it's probably the one big regret you have from this draft. But I think Stafford's a good pick. Uh, the people are, you know, the Rams had a, just the worst season imaginable. Like after injuries, the, I mean, the way they built their roster, a season like that was in the cards, right? Like they, they, you know, they don't care about draft picks. They're really star driven, but everything fell apart. I, I think the Rams actually have a bounce back year this year. They're an early playoff pick for me uh, for the upcoming season. So Stafford, I think, is a great pick. He had big numbers in the Super Bowl season, through for a lot of yards, 40 touchdowns. Like, I think that's a good pick. Um, but let's talk about this next guy who I guess in theory should be good, but he plays for the absolute worst team I think you could play for. One of the worst teams you could play for as a running back. Najee Harris. Okay. Yeah, I – this so pick, I explain, explain, regret. Well, explain, explain what happened because it, it, it's not like you guys just immediately picked him. So yeah, so we were we were wanting to get Stafford to stack with Cup. That's that's why we drafted Stafford, and then we were looking at after that there was a big drop off. Keenan Allen had just been drafted. DJ Moore had just been drafted. Um, so all the good running backs at this point were gone. Besides maybe Najee, we're not taking Gibbs because I don't. I'm not even high on Gibbs at all. So yeah, I know you hate him. So the only things we, we were thinking here, either Drake London to go with Pitts or Najee Harris. I was pushing for Najee because I didn't want to have two Falcons. That was I was worried about that. Now in hindsight, I think we would have done better to take Drake London. Yep. But anyway, Sean Siegel ended up with Drake London. So yeah, and stupid. also I mean I'm seeing some other guys that you usually like. So McLaurin for the for command, the Commanders. Did you ever consider taking him? So I did not consider taking McLaurin because I actually like what they're doing with Sam Howell and Eric B. Enemy. But, but you won't draft their receiver. Well, no, I would probably prefer Dotson to be honest. Oh, interesting. So, what about what about Pickens? 
or JSN. Um, so we we were thinking we could get them the next round, and unfortunately that didn't work out. So, mm. but we we wanted to take Pickens and JSN in round at the seven eight turn. They they got sniped two and three picks before us, unfortunately. <laughs> sniped is a great way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean you're you're really limited at running back uh, this late anyway, right? So and we're going zero RB. I'm big time zero RB. So yeah, th- I, yeah, we can talk about some of your running back picks later, um, which are not actually not that bad. Um, so then your next two picks, you get Cortland Sutton. So your stacking was Russ. Um, yep. And then is it Traylon Burks? Traylon? Yes. So the we we knew we were going to take Sutton. We wanted JSN or Pickens to go with Sutton. Unfortunately, like I said, they both got sniped, and so that left us with not great wide receivers. So the reason we ended up taking Burks makes no sense. Given the re- go ahead, sorry, I'm just looking at the receivers after, and I'm like. Little, so, a little shell shocked. So by your a decision. lot of rankings had Tyler Lockett very high. However, we like Burks's profile. We were looking to get guys on this team that have extremely high upside. What about what about like Traylon players Burks. who are what about players who like are good? <laughs> do, you, do you guys try to go for that as well? Tra- I had Traylon Burks as my number one. So you're, you're last so, year so coming out of college. Yeah, and he has asthma, right, or something like that. <laughs> okay. So well. what's up with Brandon Ayuk not getting taken ahead of him? What's up with that? Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, you guys, you guys missed out on Brandon. So Brandon, I, I, I'll take Burks over Ayuk simply because. For what reason? Because I think Burks can be a big time alpha. Ayuk is going to be the third. <laughs> he's the third best. He was the third best receiver on the, on the team, and he had way more yards. Than okay, your alpha. I would rather just take a hit on Burks. What about Addison? Addison Johnston. I like Addison and Johnston, but I don't have them in the same tier as Jason. Smith Schuster, if he returns to Kansas City. Uh, we waited and we got Zay Flowers in the next round. So Yeah, I mean it's it's a good pick. That's a good pick, but I what about Gabe Davis? Just kidding. No, um, not a chance. <laughs> what a what a what a letdown he was last year, right? One of the all time busts. I think your Burks pick uh is a head scratcher. Like really big head scratcher. It makes no sense at all. I think you have to bet on second year upside. You have to. Why don't you bet on proven upside from Brandon Ayuk, or or go for like Addison or Johnston? I don't know. I think that's definitely your worst pick. Okay, um, I mean, I, I it's fair. We know he's but, probably not going to be. But great, then but there's there's a, there's a potential for him to be to smash. <laughs> to smash. There is. Um. What, and obviously, what you did in these next two picks, you did another stack with Tannehill. Um, so the Tannehill pick was an auto draft. We think we could have gotten Tannehill at the next turn, but we just didn't know who to take. Like it dropped off so much. We didn't want to take Mooney. We yeah. didn't want to take any. We didn't want to take Pacheco. We almost took Pacheco instead of. Why not take Pacheco? That like we were, we actually like so Ryan was clicking Pacheco as the as it happened, and we auto drafted. Well, him. how much time did you have between picks? A minute. Oh my gosh! <laughs> See, that's the problem when you have two people on the team. Like you, you guys turn into women. You can't make a decision. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't delete that. I'm just kidding. You can delete that. Um, I I just. I know you love Zay Flowers, and we can talk about him in a second. Uh, Tannehill, I don't know if you've been watching him lately. So what's up with you? Okay, so I know you said Tannehill was an auto pick, but I thought you were a Mac Jones guy. Why didn't you just take Mac Jones? So let me explain myself. I The reason we took Tannehill is because we have Burks. Now, if we didn't have Burks, we wouldn't What have evidence is there that stacking is actually helpful? So yeah. this is a tournament. There's over 1,000 teams. Okay. And the way it works is the top two teams are going to advance to the playoffs. So okay. only two of the 12 teams in the league will advance to the playoffs. Then in the playoffs, you get put in groups of like 12. And then top two in week 15 will advance or something like that, top three. Okay. And then so it cuts off quickly after that. Then in week 16, you're in another like region of like maybe eight teams in the top one advances or something. And so then you get to the playoffs 
finals where you have like 30 teams and whoever has the highest score. So basically what this means is you have to like for example, if if we have Traylon Burks and another team and a few other teams have Burks and Tannehill and they go off, we are in a bad position because we the reason you stack in these tournaments, this is not a regular league, this is a tournament. The reason you stack is so you can have a smash week. For example, last week there was last year there was a week where Tua had 40 points in fantasy, Waddle had like 30 something and Tyreek Hill had 40 points. So you're looking for a, just a smash week like that to get you through because it's it's not about being in the top half of the league or the top third of the league. It's about being one of the top teams that week. So that's why we stack. But looking back on it, I wish we had taken Drake London instead of Najee, and then we could have taken Desmond Ritter instead of Ryan Tannehill. I would rather have oh. Desmond Ritter with Pitts and oh. and uh, Drake London. See, here's the thing with stacking: your stacks are just questionable. <laughs> <laughs> questionable. Well, but they're cheap. That's the thing. Questionable I mean, stacks. You can't stack in most leagues. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Well, of course, of course, expensive. of course, of course. Um, I mean, these are not the end of the world picks. Uh, just and then wrapping up, I. I mean, you drafted Claypool. Yeah, we did. He fell really far. We just we had to take a shot, you know. I love the I love the who drafted Odell Beckham Jr. Was that Sean? No, he didn't. Uh, I love the person who drafted Odell Beckham. Which round did Odell go in? He went to the. I mean, this is like the third to last That's round. That's the sixteenth round for Odell. Yeah. That's crazy. That's pretty funny. I like the Brock Purdy pick. Did you ever consider Purdy? I mean, no. that's, a, that's a risk for a big time. I I'm not considering Purdy because what we're hearing now, actually, as an update for his injuries, he's probably not going to be ready to start until like halfway through the season. Well, he's not going to start anyway. But like, uh, even if he could start, yeah, he won't be re- like they're saying they have to delay the surgery because wow. his hand is like. Not wow. ready yet. So look at that Eagles cheap shotting. They're ready to the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I mean, like Purdy, like again, he's a midget and he's a twig. So of course, if he gets hit, he's going to be hurt <laughs> for an eternity. That's why you can't bank on guys like that. Cal Shanahan's a freaking goat for taking that guy to the NFC title game. Golly. Yeah. So um, I'll just recap the rest of our picks. We took several rookies. We took Jack, Zach Charbonnet, Zach Evans, both rookie running backs. We took we took two veteran rookie running backs in, or veteran running backs in, <laughs> veteran rookie <laughs> in Zeke and yeah. Cordero Patterson we also took Israel from the pit running back who's also a rookie um so we took a lot of rookie running backs and then we also got two more high upside tight ends well you could say late in a <laughs> in Daniel high Bellinger. upside tight ends so tight ends are not good okay go and ahead. we also took Irv Smith there in the Ugh, Irv so Smith <laughs> he's Gosh. gonna be a free agent there's a chance he goes somewhere I don't know yeah he, there's a chance he goes somewhere I guess that's, <laughs> that's a really hot take um uh, so yeah that's how our draft finished up we also got it's Elijah a good draft Moore. we it's got a good, Elijah Moore it's a good see there. I like see here's the thing you have two elite receivers you have potential elite tight end should be elite tight end. You have two quarterbacks that can play at high levels. Um, you have a running back who's going to get a lot of touches, right? Najee Harris is not going to be someone they don't, the Steelers don't hand the ball to. You have a, you know, Sutton who, every year I feel like Sutton gets some level of hype and then finally I think people are like lower I on him. I think he's undervalued. Like he was way too overvalued last year. Now he's undervalued. And then with the thing with Burks is, again, he, he, he wasn't really that good, but he's the wide receiver one, right? Um, so, there's going to be a volume of targets that he gets. So, so yeah, one thing looking at this team again, most of our picks are on bad teams. Besides Tyree Kill, most of our picks are on bad teams or teams that were really bad last year that were hoping for somewhat of a bounce back. So yeah, that is that's very com- risky. and that's common in the NFL. There's bounce backs all the time. So but, uh, no, I I think you know this this is a good draft. I didn't obviously didn't look at all the other teams. 
uh, to like evaluate. Should I just do a real quick evaluation of Sean Siegel's yeah, team? Yeah, yeah, evaluate uh, Sean's team. Okay, so Sean starts off with Travis Kelsey, great pick. CD Lamb, then he goes on a running back bonanza. <laughs> like I don't think anyone saw this coming. So he's a zero RB guy, and he picks three running backs in a row. <laughs> but Brees Hall, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, I think, and then Rashawn Stevenson. Those Ramondre. Are, sorry, Ramondre, whatever. Sorry, Rashawn. <laughs> um, those are three good running backs. Gets Drake London. So you have two wide receiver ones right there. Pickett as a quarterback is a, is a joke. Um, <laughs> is a total joke. That's a terrible pick. Schultz is a terrible pick. I hate him as a person. Um <laughs> Johnston is a good receiver pick. Ritter is a freaking joke. I mean, come on. Uh, Sky Moore, just, just someone shoot me in the face with that pick. Montgomery, who cares? Garoppolo is your best fantasy quarterback. I mean, he's going to play nine games and get hurt. Uh, he, he really oh, fell gosh. apart. He really fell apart after that, uh, Johnston pick, really. Um, actually, he fell apart after the London pick. I think there's no way he wins the, that, your, your league. Now, you're discounting the fact that he got two potential starting quarterbacks late in Malik Willis and in... Malik Willis. Malik Willis and Baker Mayfield. sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not worried about Malik Willis. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, forgive me for that. Hey, Sean, if you ever listen to this podcast, you are a brilliant guy, but... Uh, that that draft performance leaves a lot to be desired. I I actually love the team. So it's to be a, of honest, course I you do. Of course, because you, you're you're brainwashed. By, you're brainwashed by this guy. You're you're absolutely brainwashed by Sean Siegel. Well, I think it was a really fun draft, and it was a listener league. So that means all the people are taking wide receivers high. They're taking the the young upside guys high and letting the running backs fall. So like in most drafts, he, Sean got all these guys ahead of ADP. Kenneth Walker, yeah. he got a whole round ahead of ADP. Ramondre, he got a whole round ahead of ADP. So he's taking advantage of the of the room and, and how many wide receivers were going off the board early. But, uh, yeah, so that's the draft. Before we wrap up, we just wanted to give a quick preview for the Combine this week. David, are you going to be watching the Combine every single day from your couch? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I hate the Combine. I hate the Combine. I hate it. I think it's a... Uh... A useless, a, it's useless. It's all of it's useless. I think it should not even exist, in my opinion. The 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 physical things they can just do at their pro days at their on their campus, and then the 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 questions that these teams ask are just stupid. They're, the teams are trying to be smarter than they actually are. Dumb questions. It's a useless, useless, useless uh, <laughs> event, and it should not exist anymore. I'm all in on the NFL Players Association. I'm usually I'm usually anti-player, pro league. But uh, in this case, I'm pro player. Where, yeah, no, this is stupid. I hate the combine. So that that really bodes well for the questions you're about to ask. Well, clearly. I think the combine is great because I love watching my the rookies that I'm getting hyped about. I love seeing how fast they go. I love seeing how much they can bench press. I mean, yeah, it's just fun. It, it is fun to see wide receivers uh, doing a bench press that matters so much. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna look at one of your questions real quick. So you said Bryce Young, is he five hundred and ten or fifty nine? Now I said, is he no? So Bryce Young is in his twenties, Daniel. No, no. (laughs) I don't know why you're asking if you're misreading the. You're misreading. I'm I'm reading. I said is he five five ten? But that's not what you wrote. That's not what you wrote. Five nine. You put five one zero. That's it. (laughs) Is he five hundred ten or fifty nine? I'm here to tell. I'm here to tell you he's in his early (laughs) twenties. Um. Uh. 
Bryce Young, we'll t- we could talk about Bryce Young more in a, in a quarterback podcast. Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Uh, I know Bryce Young's not throwing, right? He said he's so. Not Bryce throwing. Young is just going to weigh himself and measure himself. So he basically he just ate a bunch of food, gained weight. Yeah. So people think he's bigger than he's he actually been working is. with a nutritionist, which I'm pretty sure his nutritionist is Ronald McDonald because he's <laughs> only going to be weighing and measuring, and then he's leaving. He's not going to because he's going to be which so fat he can't even be an athlete. <laughs> then he's going to lose it all, and on his pro day he's going to look great. He's going to look great, but he's not going to measure or weigh himself. Yeah, so. and, and also I will say this: I think also <laughs> pro days are useless as well. All that stuff is useless. It's amazing that every like I remember Zach Wilson. He did like one of those amazing throws at his pro day. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, I, was, I admit I was a little bit excited. Oh my! <laughs> so you're the target demographic. You, it, I'm telling you, every year there's there's a few things in the NFL that if you don't pay attention to the sport a lot, there's a few things that are very deceptive. That you, no matter what, you should always say this means absolutely nothing. One of the big ones is like week one, right? Like week one. Everyone makes all these big opinions on like, oh, this is how the season is going to play out. Oh, this is the best team. This is the worst team. Week one does not mean jack squat. And so <laughs> oh, wow. it's the same thing with the pro day. It's the same thing with the combine. They don't mean jack diddly. They mean nothing. Okay. So don't, don't get excited about like, don't get excited about a 40 time. Don't get too excited about John Ross. Great 40 time. He's one of the worst draft picks of all time. Um, <laughs> so all that matters is what they put on the tape and, the team that drafts them, how they develop them, and then what we see on the field on a Sunday. So I hate all this crap. So I'm excited about several offensive players who could have big combines. So I would like to shout out Zay Flowers and Dalton Kincaid. These guys are athletic, fast, and we're talking about probably the most explosive, despite his short size, the most explosive, one of the most explosive wide receivers in this draft in Zay Flowers. And then the most explosive tight end in the draft is Dalton Kincaid. So I'm hoping that these guys go out and just absolutely destroy the 40, destroy the drills, destroy the bench press. I mean, I'm really excited. And I will say Zay Flowers has put on 12 pounds of weight since the end of the college season. So he is ready to go in there. I hope he can maintain his speed because if he can, he's going to be a first-round pick. Right. Yeah, I I I watched his highlights briefly before this podcast. So I'm not an expert on Zay Flowers, but the way he moves, he looks like an NFL player. So I think I think that's a good uh just but for the listeners, they probably already could tell this right now, but Daniel has his he's a fanboy over some players <laughs> and he's a ride or die, which I appreciate your loyalty towards uh players. Um so yeah, no, I'm excited to see that, but yeah, sorry, Combine, I'm not I'm not invested in it. The, in the slightest, I'm more excited for free agency and the actual draft itself and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, a guy will run a four three forty and become a first round pick based on that alone. And I think it could be Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. He's Ooh. expected to run a four three. So if he runs like a four four, his draft stock could plummet. But if he runs a four three or even in like isn't the that crazy though? Twos? It, it's not isn't that crazy though that like that I guess I know there is a difference between four three and four four. There is a big difference. No, I know what you're saying. But watch the guy play. Just watch him play. Watch the fact that he can. He's a deep threat. He's a I don't know. I just th- th- that stuff. If if a team is saying like, okay, let me let me actually just. Let me backtrack a little bit on combine stuff. There are certain positions where there are certain drills that do mean a lot. So like the like the cone drills, 
it's it's the stuff like the forty and like the the broad jump and the bench press, the ones that everyone focuses on. Those are the not those are the least significant ones in my eyes. But like True. when you look at like offensive linemen and they do like the the cone drills and all that stuff, that actually is important. And there's certain like there's certain players like uh, or if you take these measurements, if these players measure in a certain percentile, then you can say this is going to be a good player or not, you know, or a higher potential to be a good player. So there are some drills that the combine that shows like specific skills that matter, like moving quickly in like a like short amount, like small amount of space that matters in the NFL. Uh, a 40 time does matter to some extent, but also, I mean, when you wear pads, you have to run routes. Like you're never, you rarely are just running straight, right? And you're not running like a four three forty during an NFL game. This is not happening. So, and then the bench press is almost, it's basically, <laughs> it's basically irrelevant. Um, so in the broad jump, I'm like, who cares? Like, uh, do you see a player jumping from the 10 yard line to get in the end zone? Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, I, there are a couple, a couple drills that are important, but it, it's not worth the TV spectacle that it, it, it is, which is just kind of annoying. Yeah. And I'm with you. I won't be like watching it live, but I'll be watching these highlights on Twitter because you know, there's going to be players who get really hyped up. We've already mentioned a few names. I also want to throw out there some running backs in Zach Charbonnet, Zach Evans, Israel, Akani, Abani Kanda, sorry if I butchered that <laughs> name, at a pit. But these are all guys who they could be undrafted. If they yeah. go to the combine and have a bad performance, it could be over. But if they have a good performance, they have the potential to be a second round, to be a third round, day two pick. So, Which would just be, for running backs, is if you draft any running back in the first three rounds, you're, your GM should be looked at. With now that's ridiculous. Heavy, now, that is ridiculous. skepticism. Brees Hall in the second round is one of the best picks in NFL history. Man, I said it first. Man, that, I, that, I, that, I, ACL, that 20 ACL really proved it for you. <laughs> My goodness. No, the running backs are like such a worthless position. Not um, at all. It's proven. Like I, the, 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 the facts are on my side. The facts are on my side, Daniel. You can't argue against facts. I'm sorry. You know I'm right. You know, you, you know, like, I, I know your boy Bijan Mustard is going to be like a first round pick and you're going to be like, see, see. And then whatever team drafts him, you're going to, you, you'll then realize halfway through the year, oh, they should have drafted that cornerback. Oh, they should have drafted that offensive lineman because the running back is not going to do jack squat for them. When Boston Scott can be a, a major running back for a Super Bowl contending team, that's when you should realize, oh, maybe we shouldn't draft Saquon Barkley in the number two overall pick. Maybe we shouldn't draft Ezekiel Elliott in number four. Maybe we shouldn't even take a running back in the first four rounds. Maybe we shouldn't even draft running backs at all. I would be totally cool with that. I would be totally cool if a team said we're never drafting a running back, only free agents, that's it. We'll just build a good offensive line, and any running back can kind of run behind it. I would be okay with that. Honestly, I hate running backs. Not as people. I hate the position. Sorry. Well, I don't know how to respond to that, so I guess we'll have to wrap up there. But I will say a good second and third round running back can turn a good team into a great team. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if that uh, that that uh, um, happens. But uh, anyway, like it's I, I don't know where our, all of our podcast listeners live, but it's beautiful outside today. Spring is on the horizon, so it's it's great. We're getting into draft season. We're getting into free agency. This is a good time of year for football. Um, excited to post some more off-season content. Yeah, I am too, David. So this was a fun one, and we'll be back next week. Yep, and our wives really do hate this podcast a lot. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to another episode of Our Wives Hate This NFL Podcast. Learn more at NFLpod.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NFL Husbands. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, unless you're our wives, of course. 